Well, tomorrow's February 1st. Already, sorry, we got communion next week. Amen. No, oh, it's the 31st. Okay, so coming up this week. <laughs> next time I see you, we'll have communion. How's that? Anyway, we're quickly approaching the uh, month of February, the most amorous month on the calendar, according to uh, all the. Uh, the Hallmark folks we make so wealthy and flower folks and everything we do. I want to talk to you about something else today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day that you've given us to come here your family, your children, to worship you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping us in that regard, Lord. We know that you are here with us. We know that you love us. I thank you for the anointing that rests upon me and on your precious word. We thank you for the rhema that will come out of it today. And we thank you that you will implant this word into plowed ground into the good soil in the garden of their hearts today, everyone who hears this today and any time in the future, and that it will help them, it will take root and bear fruit in their lives. I I pray that this today becomes a real revelation to all of your children, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you ever had any failures in your life? (laughs) I knew I'd bat a thousand on that one Me too We all have You ever Struggled with uh, Feelings of unworthiness Guilt Shame. Feel like a failure. (laughs) You're like, oh, well, so far this is very uplifting. (laughs) We'll get there. Amen. Have Have I ever left you there? God's faithful, isn't he? Yes. I want to talk to you about the love of God today. The real love. This love of God. This agape love. It's unconditional. Real stuff. Not not what the world calls love, which is mostly lust. It's based on the I love you for what you do for me. And that's not real love. It'll never produce the results that you're after on a long-term basis. So let's talk about the real love of God today. Because the Bible says that love never fails. Hmm? So I want to teach you how to never fail in life. That's what God wants for you. Amen? Amen. First of all, we need to realize... That this peanut brain (laughs) that we have 
not just pointing at me. I'm about human beings in general. And our minds, our minds cannot comprehend the kind of love that's the love of God. We need God's help. The author of the, the, the Holy Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. No matter what the world says, the Holy Spirit is the author of this book and he used lots of different writers to write it down for him. Amen. And uh, he's going to help us to understand more about God's love today. I want to read a bunch of scriptures and I... Instead of having to turn to them, I would have been here for, I calculated it would have been way too long. So, I, I got most of them written down for us. Ephesians 1.17, Paul was praying a prayer to the Ephesians in this regard, basically about what I'm talking about. Knowing that we can't comprehend on our own. The amazing love of God. And so he was praying for them. And a portion of that prayer, Ephesians 1.17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, that's capital S, as in Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know Him better. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That, that's from the Holy Spirit. So we need this spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to get a grasp. We can't reason it out. It doesn't fit into human philosophy. Philosophy doesn't have the capability to teach or to understand God's love. Because philosophy always points you back to the flesh. To your emotions. To the soulish realm. Because it has no idea who the Holy Spirit is. Which is imperative for an understanding of God's love. Because the Bible says, John 4, 24... That God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. So when we look to human philosophy, which, which stops at the flesh and the soulish realm, everybody's aware of their soulish realm. They know they have a personality, a, a will, and emotions, and a body. And they focus on those things. But we have to go further. We're three-part beings. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we're spirit, soul, and body. And that spirit, that renewed spirit, is where we have all of the grace of God sitting on account right here. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and the Bible say those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God or the children of God. Okay, so we got to get there, don't we? 1 John 4.16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. 
So, a couple questions come from that scripture. We need to ask ourselves, have we known God's love? And if so, have we believed it? I talked last week about how most people, even Christians, have never really truly received the love of God for themselves. And you can't give away what you don't have. So, let's look at some of the aspects of the love of God. First of all, it's unconditional. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's sovereign. It's totally of God and in God's control. And we can only apprehend it by revelation through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we just read? That's why Paul is praying that we could, would have that. But then we can attain to a level of faith where we have known and believed the love of God. The love that God has for us. And that's the place we want to live, isn't it? Right? You with me? We're just going on a little path here through the scriptures and we're gonna we're gonna God's gonna prove prove out his love to you and he's gonna help you today if you'll receive it. Just think of how amazing God's love for us is. I'm gonna take you back to more painful time again, but just think about when when we first received God's love, when we first knew of God's love for us. I mean, even before we knew it or believed it. Romans 5, verses 6 through 10. Let me just read this to you. For, for, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, just as if I had never sinned, by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. So, we were still without strength, even if our pride wouldn't admit it. (laughs) We were ungodly. Well, I always tried to be a good person. Well, did you walk in the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Well, well, well yep. Uh, only if it was beneficial to you. And I can prove it. So don't make me. <laughs> Folks, we were sinners. We were sinners. We were failures. We had flaws. We had failures. We we had ugly all over. Yeah. 
In here, on the inside of the cup, where Jesus was looking, when he talked to those Pharisees, remember? He cleaned the outside of the cup up, but inside, that coffee had been sitting there with the creamer in it for about six days. We were God's enemies, folks. I just read you the scripture that said that. Verse 10 was, while we were still enemies, right? God says we were dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God. Remember when he told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Now, they lived to be about 900 years old, or Adam did, right? So they didn't physically die in the body that day, but spiritually they died. And every seed produced from that corrupted seed from then till now is dead. And until we find Jesus in this life, we're still dead. Protected for a little while until we find out and make a choice, but you get it. So we were dead in sins and trespasses. And Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 said, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So, even though we were dead because of sin, you know I love the number five, so I'm going to count to five for you. Even though we were dead because of sin, he made us alive. By His grace, He resurrected us. He enthroned us with Christ. You know you're seated right now with Jesus on His throne in heaven. (laughs) You really do need the Holy Spirit for this, don't you? (laughs) And God has revealed Himself to His creation. This is always what's amazing to me. What an awesome God. The Bible says, what a man that you're mindful of him. You see the vastness of this world and the universe and everything that he's intricately woven together with his own hands. And you think of yourself and it's like, how could he just love me? Well, he does. He does. We are to be the eternal demonstration to the universe of God's grace. If you see how vast his love is for you, you you need to praise him today. He was overwhelming me with this stuff yesterday. And I'm praying that I can convey it to you in a way that you get it for yourself. Because if you understand the love of God for you, it'll make you stronger than horseradish. Nothing will be able to move you. 
Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Ephesians 3.10 So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Oh, he's trying to set somebody free today. Break the yoke, Lord. You see, his, his love is only really fully displayed when it's totally undeserved. Amen. That's the point we're trying to make. Amen. I'm only talking to those of you who have ever felt unworthy. <laughs> and I'm trying to show you that it's not even available unless it's totally undeserved. Your sins and failures are what qualified you for the grace of God, folks. I feel overqualified. (laughs) Amen. Romans 11.6 says, For if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works of your behavior, of your merits. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It's God's idea, folks. His love for you is His idea. It's initiated by Him alone. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. So the love of God is initiated by God. Then our lives are a response to His love. That's why, that's why we, we're focused on that necessity of receiving this, of understanding and grabbing hold of this, taking this unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor and blessing and love of God for yourself and making it your own so that you'll be able to give away what you do have. So what's the outworking of of God's love in our lives look like on a on a day-to-day basis? Well, the first thing is we call to love one another, aren't we? I think about this a lot. It says, Beloved, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I think about this a lot because I know 
you know, we live in a... We're blessed to be in an area of the world, in a time of the world when people are really prospering. I mean, you look around and there's... Yes, as the enemy turned up the attacks and challenges and all that, yes, on our physical bodies and between our ears, yes. But he's still a loser. And the fact is, we are really blessed. We are really blessed. And you know, I know people that just love... They're good. And they love their families. And they love, you know... That are kind to those people they work with and that, but they do not see the necessity to give anything of themselves to the body of Christ. Their real family. That's what Jesus said when his own mama and brothers and sisters were at the door. He said, well, who are my mother and brother and sisters? Those who hear the word of God and do it. The church. That's your family. And there, I could tell you scriptures in this Bible that we have more, we are called to, we are responsible to this body, to, to the church as at large. Even when he's saying be good to everybody, he, he makes a special, he says especially to the household of believers, of faith. Especially to Christians. They're the ones you're going to be with in heaven. And you got a responsibility not only to just just to come and to grow and to be planted and and developed to be helped, but then to turn around and you know about the time when you feel like you've heard every message I could ever preach and you've received my full measure. Good. That doesn't mean it's time for you to go somewhere else to get more. It's time for you to stay and give. Amen. <laughs> Hello. Praise God. So we love one another. So it's a decision we make, right? That that has to be... We have a free will. So there's a choice to be made. A decision to be made. And it's produced only by a new birth. We have to be born again, right? Jesus said in John 3.3, Unless you're born again, you, you can't... You won't see the kingdom of God. First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says, Having purified your souls, your mind and will and emotions, by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. So we need to love each other out of a sincere heart, out of this new creation, taking claim to the new, new being that we are. Because you really did die on that day when you asked Jesus to come into your life. And you really are a new creature. You just need to get to know that new self a little bit better. Amen? Amen. Brings up my next question. My next point. Is that sadly. um, Say this. I'm trying to. 
be a little kinder, gentler <laughs> approach. Many Christians have sort of been saved by a stranger. Hmm? We need to spend time with Jesus. You've been saved, but Jesus really is sort of a still the stranger to some folks. What I mean is they've never really taken time to, to know Him, to, to spend the one-on-one time that it requires. You can't microwave a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, many have tried and failed. And they've launched off into great endeavors, knowing they're called to do great things. They killed the Egyptian soldier and buried him in the sand. No, wait, that's somebody else. (laughs) They jumped off and jumped ahead of God. And he said, hold on. You need to spend some time with me. You need to get to know me. I'm the one that saved you. And I love you. And I saved you for that purpose. This is the meaning. This is eternal life, Jesus said in John 17, 3. That they know you, Father, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. That's the whole meaning of life. That's eternal life. And it doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts the moment you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. The problem is, too many people just like the second half of that phrase. They love the Savior part. But the Lordship, eh, my life, my life can't really let you tell me what to do. You better. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, if we do not love, we do not know God. Hmm? So we need to love God. We need to take time to get to know Jesus And then the Bible also says those who love Christ will share in His sufferings. Does that mean we need to hang on a cross or do that? No. But persecution will come. I mean, I'm all about the blessings. I'm all about prosperity. I'm all about healing. I'm about all the benefits the sozo, all-inclusive salvation, all the peace, love, and joy you can take, you get. Healing is as much a part of your salvation as the forgiveness of your sins. And so is prosperity. He wants you blessed richly so that you can do great things. But persecutions will come. It comes with persecutions. If you never run into the devil, it's because you travel in the same direction. If you've never been persecuted for your faith, then you need to make sure that if you were arrested for being a Christian, there'd be enough evidence to convict you. Paul said he didn't care about any of his own personal achievements or pedigrees. He said it was all garbage to him. He only wanted to be known for the righteousness that would be credited to him because of his faith in Jesus Christ. 
Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Next, the Bible teaches us that living out the love of God means being rooted and grounded or established in love. Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. He just keeps on praying that we would just, the Holy Spirit will just Help us to, for the light bulb to go on. And when you do get it, it's overwhelming. It's hard to stand up. It's hard not to get down on your knees and sob and just thank Him. To be overwhelmed by His goodness and His love when you really see it. It's always there, but we get so busy. You know, one of the things that chokes out the Word of God is just the, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. And some people go, oh, well, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in love with money. I'm not just pursuing money. But the cares of this life alone keep us so far from God sometimes in our busy lives that we sacrifice trying to trim the time to make time. We sacrifice the most important parts of our day and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Himself and the Holy Scriptures. Amen? I'm closing here. If we're not rooted and grounded in love, we can't comprehend the love of God. You know what that scripture sort of saying? We can't comprehend the fullness of Christ. So the goal of all of our teaching, all of our Bible studies, all of our church attendance, ultimately the goal is love. First Timothy Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. The goal of this command is love. Because there's only one command now, right? The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. If it doesn't point people back to Jesus, if it doesn't point them... To God is meaningless talk. So the goal, love, with a pure heart, with a good conscience, with sincere faith. That's the goal. How simple. Listen to this beautiful passage of scripture from Song of Songs. Not not a not a book of the Bible that you may turn to often, but you should. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. 
Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Look at the value of love. Love is stronger than death. It can't be drowned. It can't be bought. It's eternal. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have to possess, if all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Romans 5, verse 5, and I'm done. And hope does not put us to shame, folks, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, love is administered by the Holy Spirit, another stranger to many, just as is the Father and the Savior, Jesus, unfortunately. But they're one. Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all, all three of the persons of the Godhead. They're one, and they are love. And God loves us. God loves you. Receive it and be free. Free to live for Him. Free from the world. Free from sin. Free from self-centeredness. Free from guilt and shame. Free to love, to love God, to love others, and finally to properly love yourself. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your love. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this simple but profound explanation of your love. And walking us through the Holy Scriptures to prove it out for us. Help us not to forsake this or to take it lightly. Help us to meditate on this all throughout the week and the days to come. And to, to make it our own. To seek you out. To spend time with you and to let you love us. So that we can love you back. And in turn love others and ourselves as we should. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect plan for our lives. Thank you that you've written our names in the Lamb's book of life. And because of the blood of Jesus, we are perfectly in right standing with you. We are redeemed, blood-bought children of the Most High God. And no one can snatch us from your hand. 
And if we will just love others, even when they are mean to us, even when they come against us, even when they're wrong, we just entrust it to you and we stay free. You'll fight our battles for us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We choose you. We choose love. We choose your will and your way. Help us to walk this out, Holy Spirit. Every day. This is the day the Lord has made. There's only one day that we have to be concerned with. It's called today. So every day, let us spend all the grace that you've given us for that day. And then we'll take it up again the next. If you tarry, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We love you because you loved us first and showed us how. In Jesus' name, amen.